Hey, it's good to have all of you here this morning. We're going to jump right in. We're going over the seven wins or must wins for men, and today is, is going to be a fun day. We'll enjoy this because this reminds me, this takes me back 20, 30 years when I had a, a major idol in my life. Now, when I grew up, things were different. When I, when I grew up, like my son, he doesn't care what he drives. He, it doesn't make any difference. He's got no bearing on a car, no bearing on a truck. But when I grew up, your vehicle was your identity. And so Chevy Shortbed was, was the truck when I grew up. And then our parking lot there in Tulia High School, I mean, if you were anyone, now if you grew up at Tulia and you didn't have one, I'm sorry, you were a no one. But if you were anyone, you had to have this Chevy Shortbed. And I had a, a 1980. Mine was a little bit older. But uh, I had found it actually in Canyon. It was a 1980 step side black. Uh, I, I put it in the barn. We took everything off of it. We actually uh, uh, sanded it down and, and repainted this truck and uh, put a chrome row bar on it. Uh, had speakers, kicker speakers that went from one side all the way to the other side behind the seat. So my seats would jump when I turned it on. And I'm paying for that today. But it was just cool. I had a uh, glass packs on it and you had to have glass packs if you were any anyone you know and you had a it, it's funny because a lot of the guys had the had the new 305s but mine still had the old 350 in it and then in 87 they went to fuel injected uh, 350s some of you know about that because I, I learned the hard way I got beat in a race uh, from one of those fuel injected ones but anyway that was just kind of who I was and and it was our identity it was important what we drove, when you went up and down the drag there in Tulia, you knew one another by what they drove. They, they, I knew everybody's pickup, everybody's vehicle, everybody's car, whatever they drove. I can tell you some funny stories about that. But my point is, all of us are created to worship. And, and, and there are things in us that will worship other things that are not of God. And as we grow up, we have to learn to identify those things because the things that we worship will have our attention one day, not just our direction, but of course our destination as well. Worship is, is one of these things that we must win in our life, and we have to win in a powerful way, because here's the truth. One day, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess, both upon the earth, above the earth, and below the earth, that Jesus is Lord. We will worship Jesus one day. So whether you worship Jesus today, or whether you have to learn the hard way, and worship him tomorrow, you will worship. And that's, that's, a, that's a difficult thing in our culture today because today in our culture, what we see is the opportunities to worship ourselves, to create ourselves as idols, to, to look out throughout the world and find other things in this world to worship other than Jesus himself. As a matter of fact, what we're attempting to do is push God out so we've got more room to worship other things. And we're seeing the world's becoming far more dangerous. The United States has become far more dangerous as we push God out and look to worship other things. We're worshiping education today. Uh, the more educated someone is, the, the more we worship, the more we look up to them, the more we idolize uh, my, my son. I, I get a kick out of him because uh, there's a couple of professors at WT right now that he just thinks, man, these guys are just awesome. One of them's a composer and and all of this. And I, well, that's great. You know, I'm glad to have that kind of education and they can do that kind of thing. When I was your age, I was worshiping my Chevy truck. But anyway, you know, that, that's just kind of the way it is. But 
today in time, we have to be careful because there are so many things looking to get our attention and looking to get our worship. And we are created with a void within us. I think it's interesting how women are created because uh, women are created also with this void, that need for Jesus. It's kind of neat because a husband is supposed to help fulfill that need, if you will. Uh, I, I think there's, there's a lot of symbolic things in how we're made. Now, now, man is not to be Lord in their life. Man is to bring them, sustain them, encourage them, protect them uh, as, as he leads them to a place, a deeper understanding of the Lord. But here's the thing. Our men oftentimes don't know, know that because they're worshiping other things. And so our wives are the ones that suffer and our culture is the ones that suffer because we're looking to, to worship bigger, greater, grander things. So today, I want you to hear me. Worship is one of those things we've got to win in this life because we're going to be forced in the next. <laughs> one way or the other, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. Philippians chapter 2, you can go and read it. But, but And I hate to say force, that's not what God desires a true worship, true worship comes from a freedom, a spirit within us that wants to connect with our sustainer or the creator of life. So the greatest source known to man should be God himself because he created us. Now, from Sunday's message, I said he, he formed us from the ground and then he did what? He filled us. So there's automatically something in us that wants to reconnect with our source, that wants to reconnect with what created us. So the earth brought forth vegetation, the earth sustains it, right? Sea brought forth fish, and the sea sustains it. I mean, you've never seen a fish out of water, have you? Anybody seen a lungfish? I don't buy that nonsense. But, but that's a fish somewhat out of water that supposedly was chased out of the water and then eventually developed lungs instead of gills. And supposedly, some of you, your ancestry dates back to it. Just some of you, right? So God created man, and I want you to hear me. God sustains man. God sustains. Man without God is unnatural. Worship connects you to the source of life. And so the big idea is really that, that worship will connect and reconnect us with the one who created us, the source of life. Our culture loves to worship. Oftentimes it's worshiping itself. Uh, oftentimes we tend to choose style over substance. So uh, we're looking for that flash, right? I mean, as a, as a pastor, I know skinny jeans are in, but I can't get in them, all right? So you just, it, it, we, try, we choose style over substance sometimes. But here's what's at stake if you don't win here. Everything. You'll live a life that will never surrender. It'll be a life full of pride. And God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You'll lose the sense of God's presence. You'll lose the sense of self. As a matter of fact, I don't know who I am if I'm not connected to my source. It just makes sense. So what is worship? Is it a style of music? Is it raising your hand, singing, dancing, etc.? It depends on who you talk to. Talk to Brett? Yes. He loves to dance. Brett, I want to use you as an illustration. Put some music on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's back there asleep. John 4.23 John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So the Greek word here, now you may already know the story of John 4. I use John 4 a lot 
This is the woman at the well, right? She's at Jacob's well, and, and uh, she's the one that had the, the many husbands and all of this. So, so Jesus is saying there's an hour that's coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such people to worship Him. The Greek word here is proskuneo. It means to prostrate, to bow, to do homage, give reverence. And there are many other words here that, that explain the sovereignty of God, how great, how, how mighty He is. And so to do homage, to give reverence. A more root form would be to acknowledge God in all that you do. Like the scripture says, acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will direct your paths. So I'm acknowledging that Christ lives in me. And if Christ lives in me, there's times that I have to take up the cross as well. I have to deny myself, take up my cro cross, and follow Him. And in order to deny ourselves, that means that I'm going to refuse to worship something or someone else. Does that make sense? And so uh, this is very important to God. Our lives should be rooted in a form of worship where people see Christ in us. We worship from this place of revelation because revelation means that, that I, have, I have revelation who formed me, who made me, who filled me, and because of that, he's my sustainer, and that's who I worship. That's who I walk with. In Joshua chapter 5, we'll go to the Old Testament for just a minute. See, the more we see God for who he is, the more we worship. And this is what happens in Joshua chapter 5, starting with verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing with, before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Now, that's a great question because he's seeing this angelic form, right, that's, that's standing there, and, and I'm sure he's huge. And a great question would be, are you for me? <laughs> or are you going to use that thing against me? And so he asked the question, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Have you ever seen that in scripture before? For the feet where you are, or for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Where else? Moses. Moses in the bush, right? And so, so here he is. He's on holy ground. He's in the presence of God. He's told to take his sandals off of his feet. You see, he got revelation immediately when he found out who this angelic being was. He fell to his face and he began to worship. He discovered. Matthew chapter 14, verse 32. Now, I know I'm going through a lot of scripture. Just stay with me. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Of course, this is Jesus, and, and uh, what, what happens here is as we unpack it, you'll find out that there's a terrible storm, the, the wind, the waves, everything's happen, happening, and, and, and Peter, at this time, sees uh, Jesus coming, the disciples see Jesus coming, and you know the story, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, uh, command me to come unto you or unto thee and so Peter uh, Jesus says come Peter gets out so and then they take him into the boat and once he gets into the boat well here's what happens uh, the wind ceases, the storm is over and they say truly you are the son of God so they worship because they had revelation 
And worship is a natural response to God's goodness. Worship is love expressed. It is observable. Worship connects you to your source of life. I see a, a day and time where worship has become very optional as far as in the church. Sometimes we don't understand the price that we've been, that's been paid for us. And because we don't have an understanding, we don't get excited about it. If you don't understand that the, the very last ounce of blood that Jesus shed was for you, it's not real exciting sometimes. And I think sometimes we just need to, <laughs> we need to preach Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, and ascended. We, we probably don't preach that enough because when we, when we preach that and it comes forward and people begin to understand, wow, I am connected because of what God has done for me, then people will be set free to worship. We live in a day and time where I don't know if I want people to see me worship. You know, there's, there's times I shut my, I know I don't want people to hear me worship. You know, this time I shut my door, I was here the other morning and uh, got here early and had my guitar in my office. Man, I'm just singing and worshiping and all of a sudden this guy standing, I didn't even know he, he was there. He had cracked my door open and standing there looking at me, watching me. And I was like, oh man, I'm sorry, I didn't know anybody was here. You know, I put my guitar up and he's like, no, keep playing. That's cool. And he was just a, he was a guy just coming to work on the church that day, but I embarrassed myself, right? Sometimes we're so worried about what others might think when we worship that when we express ourselves we're more concerned about pleasing the people around us or making sure that we don't disturb them or whatever it may be that that we're unable to worship ourselves but what people want to see and and i believe what the world wants to see are people who are passionate did you know that a couple of years ago there was a survey done and it was a survey based upon christianity and also the islamic faith and they were comparing the two side by side, and the Islamic faith is growing faster right now than the Christian faith in certain parts of the world for sure. But even here in the United States, it has really, really come up. So there was a survey done, and they asked several questions and wanted to know the ones who had either left Christianity for the Islamic faith or had just simply joined the Islamic faith. What was it that they saw with Islam that they didn't see in Christianity? And they said it was their commitment to what they believed. You see, what would the world say when we truly bow down before our heavenly Savior and learn what it means to worship? See, the, the, the world's waiting. The world is watching. So how do we express our love to God during worship? What does it look like? See, worship is it's not just individual, it's corporate. Last week I talked, or last Sunday, I talked about what God forms, he feels. And he does this not just as individuals, he does it corporately. In Acts chapter 2, when he formed the church uh, at the upper room, what did he do? He blew in. Pentecost happened. He blew in. He filled what he formed. And it's the same thing with us. As, as he made Adam, the scripture says that he formed him out of the ground. And then what did he do? He blew the breath of life into his nostrils is what the scripture says. He filled him. And, and he wants us to connect to our source, both individually and corporately. How do I express that? What should it look like? Well, it, it's your adoration. What does it look like when you adore something or someone? What did it look like, man, back when you uh, were pursuing your wives? Because this is the correlation that is given to us in Ephesians chapter 5. 
Well, I, I, I think of myself with Allison years ago. Man, with those things, that was hard to, I got to keep an eye on the clock. But years ago, uh, when I started dating Allison, I, I remember, you know, one day she was, she was coming over actually to my apartment and we were leaving from there. She was uh, to, uh, to go to Amarillo on a date. And I can't remember, she was getting off work is the reason we met at, at my place. And, and I, had, I had prepared my pickup. My pickup was vacuumed. It was clean. And then I had a rose. I know this is cheesy, man. Just stay with me. It's been years ago. I'm not near as cheesy. But it's, you know, I was pursuing her. So I had this rose sitting in her seat so that when I opened the door of the pickup, there's a rose sitting in the seat, right? And she gets in and she's like, oh, this is so nice, you know, da 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 And my pickup smelled good, you know, and took her into Amarella. And I just, I was really trying to win her heart. I was, I was pursuing her. I was in this 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 place maybe even to the point hopefully not of worshiping but but still in pursuit in adoration of her and that's that's really where where God takes us to this place of adoration we should adore him for what he's done for us and and eventually you know a couple years goes by after we're married and I remember running out of the church because it was pouring rain it was one of those floods in Canyon we were at the Methodist church there in Canyon I, I ran out and she was right behind me we were both in church together and and it wasn't on a Sunday, it was during the week I was, I was working at that time at the Canyon Methodist Church, and I ran out, and of course I'm hitting my keys, I got my lock popped up, jump in, shut the door, you know, start the pickup, get the windshield wipers, and I hear bam, 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 you know, she's hitting the passenger saddle, let me in, and it's just, oh yeah, oh yeah, she's out there, where's the, you know, I'm trying to find the button to let her in. And that's kind of what happens to us as Christians, we we, things become mundane, they're no longer fresh, they're, we're no longer in pursuit, we no longer adore. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves just going through the motions, and that's a dangerous place to be, because where passivity sets in, or maybe it should be said in reverse here, when we become comfortable, then oftentimes passivity sets in, and when passivity sets in, we become vulnerable to worshiping other things than God himself. It's a dangerous place to be, men. I believe this is one we've got to win back as men. What would it look like if the men in, in the church truly adored their heavenly Father? Can you imagine how this place would light up when we, when we give personal expression to God as a corporate body, leading the church, leading our wives, leading the children through manly worship having no other gods before us but god himself god alone reconnecting to the sustainer of life basically in the bible there are nine expressions of worship one is with a voice the scripture says to speak to sing to shout i, I think of the history and heritage i was teaching years ago in the methodist church in happy texas <laughs> i never will forget this because i had a lot of comments and I stood up there and I said, hey, did y'all know that y'all are the charismatics and happy? I mean, uh, we just had it. We didn't have a non-denominational church. We, we didn't have, all we had was a Methodist, a Baptist. There was a Presbyterian that was turned into. It actually dissolved while I was there. And, and now it's actually a funeral home, the building. Uh, there's a Catholic church where the priest would find himself at my house on a regular basis um, and, and one of the deacons, because there were only three or four in that church. But I, I remember just telling the congregation there, I said, Methodists used to be known as the shouting Methodists. 
That's, that's, that's what they were. Now, I'm not, you know, I, I'm Wesleyan heritage, I would say, but uh, I'm not trying to make you guys go to a Methodist church. I don't know that I've heard people shout in the Methodist church. I did some years ago. But my point being this, that the Scripture shows with the voice through our speaking, through our singing, through our shouting, those are ways of expressing worship. Another one's uh, the voice, then it goes to the hands. To lift, to clap, to play instruments, all that's found in Scripture. Your hands. And then finally your body. To bow, to stand, or to dance. That happens all throughout Scripture in worship. Now, I get it. If someone's being distracting in a corporate body, and they are demanding others to look at them, that's... I, let me say this. <laughs> um, if it's with the wrong motives, then it's not worship at all other than worshiping yourself. If you're trying to draw attention to yourself, then uh, that's, that's just as much danger. That's, that, matter of fact, there, I, I would address that in a different way, but I'm not going to this morning. But I would say this, that um, the voice, the hands, the body, all those are used throughout scripture as a form of worship these are outward expression expressions of what's happening on the inside it's love expressed and i think men sometimes we get concerned about what will our family think let's just be honest here for a minute what will our wives think what will our children think you know what they're going to think they're going to think wow i'm glad i have 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 someone that's dedicated to a holy god because in being dedicated to a holy God in such a way, what that does is it offers them assurance and reassurance that they're not going to be sidetracked or, or something else is going to get their attention or because they're trying to give their love, their adoration to a God that is holy, that is good. It's their love expressed. We've got to quit worrying and we've got to start leading out in worship. If you're unexpressive in worship, it's a good question to ask yourself, this why why am i unexpressive in worship so we've got to understand that our corporate worship creates an atmosphere where lost people outsiders can encounter the presence of god and experience salvation i will be honest with you as the pastor sometimes on sunday morning i don't always feel like worshiping either i need an extra cup of coffee just to get the spirit moving in me right i mean we just got to be honest but this is what i know I want to help create an atmosphere where non-believers will see there's something going on. And as I surrender myself, my thoughts, even as tired as I may be, as, as driven as I was through the week, and I'm finally driven out. I'm out of energy. I'm out of effort. I, I don't really even feel like it. I know that when I do it, because of what God has done for me, He heals me in that moment. And as I continue to do what I'm supposed to do, eventually He picks me up and I'm filled. I think of Sunday night, I walked in those doors, and Sunday evening we had just a packed day Sunday. As soon as church was over, we had a recital and other things going on. Then come back here to get ready for core, and then we have core, you know. And, and somebody caught me out in the hall and said, man, you look tired. And I said, yeah, I am tired. And uh, they said, well, you feel like core tonight? And I said, well, not right now. But I said, once I get to going, I will. And we had a great, great night. 
at core, the Spirit really moves. So it's a great, great time. Men, it's not about always how we feel. Sometimes it's about doing what we're called to do. We will bow a knee, whether we're tired or not, at some point in time. See, but outsiders, they'll be able to encounter the presence of God, and they'll see your leadership. Sometimes leadership is fighting the battle even when you don't want to fight. It's going to war even when you don't want to go to war. Sometimes it's just the right thing to do. And by doing the right thing, God, God heals us. He delivers us. You know, that, that word salvation, sozo, uh, contains blessed, blessed, to be blessed, prospered, protected, healed, delivered, made whole, set apart. All those things are happening when we bow to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our salvation works itself out. And watch, even into others. They see it. It's important. Luke chapter 7, I'll end with this. Luke chapter 7, so this, is, this is a great story here happening with Jesus. It's unfolding with an alabaster flask. You've probably heard this. A 737. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house. Now, where is Jesus? He's at the Pharisee's house. He's at the religious institution. All right? She brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head, kissed his feet, anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now here's a, a righteous man if you will. He's a Pharisee. He's one of the religious. He's part of the church. He's not just part of the church. He's probably one of the leaders of the church. Jesus is at his house eating with him. Now this woman breaks in and she has this extravagant worship. She breaks this alabaster flask. And it's interesting, this man said, if Jesus were truly a prophet, if he really knew, he would know that this woman is a sinner. Isn't that interesting how he is? This is what happens sometimes when we become religious. We become so righteous that we recognize the sinners, and yet we don't recognize the sin in us, right? And that's kind of where he was. This is why, by the way, Christians get a bad rap. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have two debtors. Or, or Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more simon answered the one i suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt then he said to him you have judged rightly therefore i tell you her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but he who is forgiven little loves little and he said to her your sins are forgiven you see sometimes i think when we don't recognize the great price that's been paid then we worship little it doesn't mean a whole lot to us. Well, I'm a good person. I really haven't done too many bad things in my life. We, we start justifying through our actions when in reality we're all this woman. <laughs> we're just not as, we're not all as honest as this woman. And you're not a woman, men. I'm just saying you could put yourself in this story. So why do we worship? Because of the finished work of the cross. The great price that's been paid because it reconnects us to the source of life the one who who formed us and filled us christ lives in us he loves us he loved much and and here's this we should love him much 
because we've been forgiven much. True worship happens as I continually live in awe of who God is and what he has done for me.